So, but today we are diving into body moving, and we're going to have one last picture, one last snapshot that we're going to look at what it means to be the body of Christ. Now we're going to pick up, we're going backwards a little bit in the scriptures. We're going to dive in in Ephesians chapter 2. And the beginning of Ephesians chapter 2, in some ways, sets the stage. It paints the background. It helps us know this is what we enter into. And we realize why the body of Christ matters so much and and what uh, we are called to do. We actually have to go backwards a couple steps and understand a little bit of the nature of the world that we we find ourselves in. Ephesians 2 says this. As for you, and this is talking to these new believers in Ephesus uh, that have now come to know who Jesus is. He says, look, as for you, here's what you were. Here's how things used to be for you. Here's how your life was. You were dead in your transgressions and sins. He's saying, look, there's a spiritual deadness to you. Uh, there is something that's broken and off, and you were, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. There used to be this way, these new believers, they used to live. And he says, when you followed the ways of this world, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. This is speaking of, uh, of the devil. This is speaking of, and, and we can think all the things and picture a pitchfork and all these things. The scriptures, that is all absolutely silly, some of the artwork we have. But what is not silly and what is true is that there is an evil that is bent on, on evil in this world. And the scriptures make no no kind of bones about it, there is an enemy of our soul. There is an enemy in this world, and the scripture sometimes is called Satan, the devil, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the one who influences this world towards spiritual deadness and and brokenness and, and evil. And it says, all of us, not some people, but all of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts, and like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Now, these pictures where we start in Ephesians chapter 2 give us what I would call the diagnosis of the pain and the brokenness of the world in which we find ourselves. Uh, sometimes uh, we, we, we can struggle to even wrap our minds around. If you've ever seen one of the, you know, however many countless forms of evil that we can encounter and see, and you just think, this is so wrong. If you've ever felt that in your guts about anything in this world that, like, how can this be? We have to wonder, what's the diagnosis? Did people just kind of uh, take a couple steps in the wrong direction? Did they just, should they have tried a little bit harder? No, the scripture is really clear. Here's the diagnosis. The problem is that there is genuine evil and that we, uh, and there's three words that kind of pictures here that the scriptures always point, and there's evil. We experience it in the world. It talks about, uh, it speaks here of, of the devil, the rule that came there. It speaks of the flesh, the part of us inside us that gravitates sometimes towards things that we know we don't want to do. But yet there's a part of us that just gravitates that way. And the diagnosis here is that this is, this is how the world is. And actually all of us are caught up in this. And none of us kind of comes into this world sort of like, no, we're just pretty good. You know, there's no, have you ever heard this? You know, there's like, there's no baby that you have to teach to say, mine, you know, you don't teach, but hey, here's how you go, that's mine, no, don't work that out on their own, you know, you have to teach someone how to be kind, and and to share, and to be selfless, Uh, and the point of all that is to say that the the scriptures fundamentally, there is brokenness and evil that is in this world, and we could try to sugarcoat it all we want, or think, you know what, if we just told people to do the right thing, or here's some rules to follow, Or even, you know what, if you could just make some adjustments, a couple clicks this direction. No, 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 the scriptures are really clear. That's not the problem. 
The problem is this spiritual deadness that we all are born into. And, and into this, here's the great news. This is kind of the setting and the backdrop. And, and we have to actually wrap our minds. But guess what? Into this, we get this beautiful uh, word that comes next. And it's the word but. But. Yes, this is where we all were. This is where we all started. But. That's not the end of the story. Because of his great love for us, God. Here's the beautiful part of this. You know, if we don't ever understand actually how dire the situation is, we also don't understand how glorious and great is the remedy. And the greatness of, of when you actually wrap your minds around this is actually the situation, we get this beautiful but despite that, because of his great love for us, Despite all of that and who we were and the things we've done and, and where we've been, God has great love for us. And so God, who is rich in mercy, those things may characterize the world, some of these brokenness and transgression, evil, but God is rich in mercy. And it is, and so even, and he made us alive with Christ. Let me say alive with Christ. Here's the great thing we're going to come to understand is that the remedy, the solution for the problems and the challenges and the evil and the pain and the difficulty is not try harder, be good. The answer is going to be come to life in Christ. And he says he made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions, even when we were just sort of spiritually dead and unresponsive to God. and un, You know, he has acted so that we could come to life in Christ, and it is by grace you have been saved. Not because you were going to become a better person or do the right thing or get a little better. No, no, through grace, God has bestowed favor on us that we don't deserve. It is grace. And God raised us up with Christ, seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Here is this beautiful picture starting to form. That this was the diagnosis. This is how bad it was. But guess what? This is how great it is. God loves us and is merciful and gives gracious to us. This is who God is. And he goes on and he says this. And he did all this that in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. Expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. You know, I love this because it's starting now paints a picture as well. That, and do you know what? And there's a coming future where he is going to only continue to pour out the riches of his grace. Expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved. It's a gift. Through faith, not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. Now here's what I want to see. If this was the diagnosis, we need to understand as well. Then here's the remedy. Here is the remedy and solution to the challenges and the brokenness and the pain and the evil that we see in our world, the remedy is not try harder, do better. The remedy is not we should just go around if we told people, hey, you should get your life together and you should get your life together and you should live like this and do that. That is not the remedy. Because we're all in the exact same boat. That's what it's saying. There is no kind of evil out there. There's only evil that we, that's in here. You know, Soljitsyn, the great Russian writer and philosopher, used to say, you know, evil, it runs through the line of every human heart. We all are this mix of good, and yet I don't do what I wish I did. And, and, and so the remedy is this. He says it's God graciously poured out his favor, his grace, his mercy, his kindness, and it says he made us alive in Christ. What you and I need and what every human being needs is to come to life in Christ. This is what it's saying in the scriptures. 
You know, I love C.S. Lewis put it this way. He used to say, you know, Christ didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. And what this says is that the true diagnosis of our problem is not just that we are like, it's that we were spiritually dead. But God in his great mercy brought Christ and through Christ we come to life. And so what these verses start to show us is that here's who we were. And now here's who we are in Christ. We're made alive with Christ. And then it says, and there's this future coming age when he's going to continue to pour out uh, all of the riches of his kindness. And when one day all of the, the evil and pain will be dealt with. Where we live now, as he says, we are raised with Christ. We are seated with him. And so you know what that means? It means when you put your faith in Christ, when you trust in him, when he becomes what you live for and organize your life around, you are united with him. His life flows into you, and it says we are, we are raised with him. We are seated with him. And where is Christ? The world, the devil, the flesh, all this stuff is down here, and Christ is above it all. And when you are united with Christ, guess what? You are seated above it all. And there is a spiritual truth that is a reality in your life that you are no longer under all this. You've been made new, alive in Christ. And I love this picture because if we are going to understand now how do we live now and who is the body of Christ called to be and what are we called to do, we have to make sure we understand this is the picture. This is who we all are. This is what God has done. This is where the whole thing's going. That right now he has conquered evil, but we know evil still exists because right now he is in the process of, of making all things new in Christ. And one day all evil will be put to the side. But right now we live in the middle. And how now do we live as those who are raised with Christ, as those who are, are seated with him, as those who are alive in Christ? How are we to live? Well, he goes on at these beautiful words. It'll be one of our last pictures in this series. Not by works, and so that no one can boast. It was all grace. He says, so this is who we are, for we are God's handiwork. Let me hear you say handiwork. We are God's handiwork. Uh, sometimes this gets translated, we are his workmanship. We are like the project, the beautiful project that God is working on. This is who the church is called to be, the body of Christ in this world. And we were created in Christ Jesus, not something that we kind of figured out how to do, and we just kind of joined a club and thought, let's try a little bit. No, no, no. We are created in Christ Jesus. As we are connected to him, we become part of his body. And we are created in him to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We were created to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You know, I, I love this particular picture right here. Because... Uh, I, I think it, when, when you realize this, this is what it means to be the body of Christ. And we think about being the body and being the body that is moving and, and active and where everybody's doing their part and God's building us to maturity. Just know this. We are created to be his, his workmanship. One of the other translations for handiwork sometimes is masterpiece. Lots of translations bring it out. We are his masterpiece. Do you know this, the body of Christ, this is God's masterpiece that he's working on in the world. The body of people who have been raised to life in Christ, not because of anything we've done, but because of his great mercy and kindness and love towards us. And who he has now seated us with him and given us good works to do that he prepared in advance. There are good works that we are called to do and be part of. 
so that we can earn his favor or love? No. We know that's out of the question. Never was going to happen. He says, no, it's all the gift of God. You're not going to earn it. Don't, don't bother thinking that you should try and do good because then maybe God will like you or be favorable to you or that kind of thing. Like that thinking is gone. But now, as people who've been united and made alive in Christ, he says there are good works he's prepared in advance for us to do. Not to earn, but out of who we are in Christ. You know, I just love this picture because we realize we are his hand. He's working on us and crafting us and shaping us. He's made us his masterpiece. We are his workmanship so that we can do these good works that he prepared in advance for us to do. Man, I love the thought that there are good works, good things for us to do that he thought of a long time ago. That he prepared them in advance. You, I, us. 2019, Perth, Western Australia, there are good works for us to do that we can step into. And when we all are connected to Christ and connected to one another, and we live out the truth of these verses and, and Ephesians as a whole and what it looks like to be the body together, when we do these things, it is a masterpiece. It is absolutely beautiful. The, the actual word that's translated handiwork and then masterpiece is poema in Greek. And it's the same word we get poem from. That's why it's like almost hard to put into words what they're trying to capture. There is this beautiful poem God is writing. There's this incredible story of redemption and grace and goodness. And we are called to do these good works. And you know what kind of works we're called to do? You know, Jesus actually told us, you know, what kind of works? What are we supposed to do? Jesus said, everyone who's my follower, at one point, his, his follower John picks up on this. And Jesus said, everybody who believes in me, believes in my name, they're going to do the works I've been doing. And so who are we called to be as the body of Christ? We're supposed to, whatever we see Jesus do, we're supposed to do those things. In fact, Jesus goes on in that very same moment. And he says, not only will my followers do what I've been doing, he says, you're going to do even greater things. And he, and he says a statement that really should just, you know, blow the mind of anyone who knows what Jesus did. How could he ever say you're going to do even greater things? Who's going to do greater things than Jesus? But his picture was, I am going to form you as my followers to be the body of Christ. You're going to be my hands. You're going to be my feet in this world. And you're going to do the stuff I've been doing. Only as Jesus in this world was chose to limit himself to take on human flesh and be Jesus of Nazareth and, and confined to all the limitations of being a human being, the body of Christ, he says, I'm going to build my body, and I'm going to fill you with my spirit, and it's going to stretch out across time, history, planet Earth. You're going to do the things that I've been doing, even greater things. You know, I just want us to think for a moment about this kind of reality, body moving. You know, we're always going to invite people to be not just spectators here at True North, but a part of the body. And because we believe this is where God is, this is his workmanship. This is the poem he's writing. This is, you know, the body of Christ, the hands of feet. We get to do his works that he's prepared in advance for us to do. And that is just beautiful. It's a beautiful thing to realize. You know, last week we, we had a card. There's still, if you're just joining us this week on the series even, there's a card here with different ways you can just kind of find a way to start serving and, and serving someone else because the body of Christ is beautiful when everybody's doing something and investing in others and serving one another. That's how we join and love and serve in ways that, that put some flesh and bones into this and some real reality to it. One of the things that we're going to talk about today, though, that's one of, one of the small ways this plays out in our local context, but yet 
uh, it's, it's one of our starting points. But do you know what's amazing we're going to reflect on today is some of the ways this plays out and what we're involved in around the world. Now, I want to talk for a moment about some of our global impact, uh, what we do. If you're new here, uh, 5% of everything, we take an offering every week. You're part of that today. 5% of everything that's given at True North goes to what we call global impact. And it's money we set aside, not in our local area or context, but that goes beyond our borders and to make a, you know, a difference for the kingdom of God around the world. And everything we do in Global Impact falls into these two categories, mercy and justice. As followers of Christ, God's people have always been supposed to do. The works that we are always supposed to do is just to bring mercy to those who need it most. That when there's someone, you know, desperately in need, that we are a part of just, just mercy. And, and just kind of how do we care for those people. You know, one of the uh, organizations we partnered with and, and contributed to last year from that 5% in our Global Impact was a, is an organization called Christian Blind Mission, and I love this picture, you know, Christian Blind Mission, they work with some of the poorest people around the world, and people who are blind in those contexts, they are some of literally the most vulnerable people on planet earth, to be in a place of desperate poverty, and to be blind in that context, and because of uh, what, what they do, we were able to contribute towards what they call Miracle Day, it's about doing the works that Jesus did, and through our contribution on that Miracle Day, um, 150 people got to have a simple cataract surgery that allowed them to go from blind to see. Now, how amazing is that? I mean, that's incredible. 150 people who were blind can now see. You think about Jesus and how while well, he was here, he demonstrated his authority and he healed people and the blind could see. And he says, now you're my body and we get to be a part of seeing the blind see. As the body, not even just here, but across with Christian blind mission and doctors and people who are part of this, all working together to help the blind to see. You know, this is what it looks like to be a, a small part of doing the good works of Je that Jesus prepared for us to do. You know, and some of us will never even know who those people are, how those works started to spur the kingdom of God extending somewhere new. You know, the, the idea of justice is about going, how do we not only... Uh, bring mercy to those who need it most? How do we also try to work for a more just world where there is less poverty? You know, one of the new partners we're picking up in this um, sort of front in our justice, and there's a number of partners we work with here, International Justice Mission, and uh, one of the new ones I want to just mention today is um, a group called Opportunity International, and this year we're going to be uh, contributing and, and partnering with them. They're going to have, uh, one of their crew is going to be at our Imagine Conference and, and, and doing one of our, our sessions there as well. Opportunity International is about trying to eliminate poverty. It's great to be able to show mercy. At the same time, we want to work towards trying to eliminate as much as we can of those things. And what they do is what they specialize in is something called microfinance. And that's where you uh, give out small business loans to people in, in uh, developing parts of the world where they're able to start a small business. It might be, uh, you know, getting uh, enough money to start, you know, to get some chickens to, to lay the eggs and start a business where you're selling them or a sewing machines to start something on that kind of front. And they start small businesses. And as those businesses grow, they take that money and they repay it back the loan. And then that loan goes on to another one. And one of the beautiful things about Opportunity International and microfinance is this kind of trying to create sustainable approaches to eliminating poverty. And, and I love the thought that, you know, justice is about that realization that we all enjoy incredible opportunity in our lives. And we want to be a part of creating opportunity for others. That's what justice can look like. One of the many faces it can take. 
You know, so these are, are, are some of those ways, you know, I, I hope you know, everything we do, there is this greater picture sometimes we don't even realize to what's happening by us being the body of Christ here. You know, uh, the second kind of grouping of what we try and do, and this is an area we're trying to develop even more, if you will, this year, is what we call kind of our mission base or missionary. And this is about how are we taking the gospel into new places or places where uh, there's not a, you know, a, a strong presence of the good news of Jesus to see churches established and built. Because we believe, you know, the church is God's workmanship. It's what he's establishing. It's his, it's his craft, you know, around the world. And we want to see uh, the, the church taken to places and grown. Because that's how the body of Christ grows and multiplies. One of the new partnerships that we are, are bringing on in, in this space uh, in our global impact this year is, a, is working with a group called Open Doors. Some of you may have been at a, a night we uh, held with them a few weeks back. They support uh, followers of Jesus in some of the countries of the world where you just can't even tell someone you're a follower of Jesus without risk of losing your life or home or things like that. They work with people who are trying to take the good news of Jesus into places where you can't even be a church publicly like what we are right now. They, they, so they work with the persecuted church around the world. And one of the things that we're excited about partnering with them is because it's one of those things that allows us to, to live and walk in unity with our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world. Uh, you know, one of the, is some of you were at the night and they um, had an invitation on the night for people to, to support on a monthly basis uh, open doors, and, and so these believers and these difficult, and it was really exciting. The guy who ran that night, James, wrote me and said it was one of the most successful, if not the most successful nights they've ever had for that in any event they've ever done. And that just made me so proud of our church and just, of, you know, give yourselves a clap on, you know, people wanting to be, this is what we're called to do, you know, to be a part of extending that. Now, one more new partner on this front in terms of trying to send people. Early in the year, we talked about Josh Blackwell, and we're partnering with him to go into places taking the gospel new in different spaces around the world. And we're also going to be sending someone else for the next 12 months, starting in September. Uh, and we are going to be sending Riley Turner and Taylor and Evie to East London for a year. And, um, yeah, you can give them, a, give them a clap. I know you're kind of kind of half excited, half not. I get that. Uh, but wanted to let you know, uh, about a month or so ago, or maybe a little bit more, I was in London myself for a, a conference, and I connected with a church in Hackney, which is in East London. And uh, does anyone know Hackney? We got any Hackney? We, all the connections got? Yeah, we got a few, few know the place. So go tell, go tell Riley about it. Don't tell Taylor about it. And, um, but just, <laughs> just joking, just kidding. Um, but the, I've connected with a the church there, and they are replanting in this area. Because if you don't know this, uh, one of the greatest mission fields in the world today is the West. It's Western Europe, it's places like England, it's places like Australia. We might think like, oh no, sort of the mission field of taking Christ is out there. No, no, no. The world has shifted. There are far more Anglicans in Africa than there are in England. And, I'm not, and that's not just like because of sheer volume numbers, percentage, all those things. Like the, the, there is a need for the, for the gospel in these places, and they are in the process of revitalizing and planting church, all these things. And they've got a phenomenal program that I just brought back talked to Riley and Taylor about, they prayed about it, and they feel like God's calling them to go on this for a year. Um, so they'll be another one of our, our, our partners here uh, in that space for a year, and there's going to be a whole bunch of stuff that kind of comes along in terms of the experience, what they'll do. But what excites me about it is that we as a church get to also be connected with how we're seeing the gospel go forward in a place like East London. 
the cities of the world are literally the mission field as we think about it of tomorrow. Not even of tomorrow, of today. This is where the world is. And here's what we've got to wrap our minds around. This is why, to me, this is such a huge thing in these verses is because what we have to understand is that the answer to the world's problems is not trying to make bad people be good. The challenge to be the body of Christ is that we need to help dead people come to life in Christ. This is what it looks like to be the body moving. And we want to do that locally and globally, but fundamentally this is what we are called to do as the body of Christ, his workmanship, his craftsmanship, the masterpiece he is creating, the body of Christ. You know, I'm going to give you one last picture of this. Because when you read uh, Ephesians 4, and I want to take you to Ephesians 4.15. This has been our, our theme verse for this series as we start to bring it to a close. In 4.16 it says, from him, from Christ. The whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament. It happens with every, the, the, you know, every ligament connects everyone to one another. And it grows. The body of Christ grows and builds itself up in love. As each part does its work. These verses and body movement, it all pictures the body of Christ growing strong, healthy, mature, capable, able to do the good works that he's prepared in advance for us to do. To be the masterpiece of Christ. And in one of the pictures that, that I, I love of this, I'm going to put it up here for you, is I want you to just, we'll finish with, with this one today, is this, these bees in this honeycomb. And when I think of, of one of these pictures, of what does it mean to be, you know, the body at work and that masterpiece that God's creating. Does anyone know much about bees? Perfect. So I can say anything about bees. Just like to check before I start making things up. And someone has to stand up and say, that's not true. I'm <laughs> not just kidding. But I, uh, I love, you know, the picture of bees that, that you know, kind of came to my mind in thinking about this idea. That the masterpiece of, that, that God is making and shaping. You know, what's beautiful about bees is, you know, when you think about like a swarm of bees and, and a hive of bees, and there's all this kind of noise and activity, and, and there's, there's lots of them, and they're, and they're all doing their thing. And if you look at it, it sometimes can look like it's just kind of almost, you know, disorganized. They're not even, you know, like what, 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 what is this, what's going on? But actually bees have this incredible, the social kinds of bees have this incredible way of communicating with one another, of talking with one another. The, the worker bees over their life, will go through a series of different roles that they play, depending on what part of their life cycle they're in. They're all working, and they're all, even though it looks like a kind of giant hive of just sort of activity, and like what is even what, it's this incredibly coordinated effort. Produces these perfectly precise hexagons. Produces this incredibly delicious honey. Not only that, but as they go through their work, and they're going out, and they're getting upon all these things, everywhere they go, they're touching things and creating more beauty wherever they go. And that, to me, is in so many ways the masterpiece of what God is wanting to create in his church. And it happens as each part is doing its work. One of the things that's amazing as well is that, do you know what, in, in a year, a given beehive and, and colony might produce 200 pounds. They might consume 200 pounds of honey. That's a lot of honey. It's a lot of honey, right? And especially since honey, if you don't know this, never goes off. Never. How cool is that? Doesn't matter how long it stays. Yeah, I read that about honey this week, and I was like, that's great, because that's been in there a while. But, <laughs> but in a year, 200 pounds 
one year. The average bee in its lifetime produces one-twelfth of one teaspoon of honey. And what I love, and when I think about this picture and what it means to be this masterpiece, the body of Christ, doing the good works, prepare. Do you know what? Every one of us, when we do our part, like it talks about in 416, it might seem so small. It might seem so insignificant. It might feel like this one-twelfth of a teaspoon that it took our whole lives to do this one tiny bit. But the beauty of the hive, the beauty of, the, of this picture is, but when every, every piece is doing its work, it may feel like it was only one-twelfth of one teaspoon to you, but somehow together as God breathes on it and in it and through it, we are the masterpiece of Christ. And blind people are getting to see, and people are getting good news, and, and people who are persecuted are supported here, and people in our neighborhoods are, are getting to know Christ, and a little kid gets encouraged, and a, and a youth and a teenager gets, you know, someone who supports them in a moment of life they needed it, and someone who felt like their whole life was right on the rocks walks into us, and all these things happen. And it happens as every one of us does our work. That's the beauty of the body. That's what it looks like to me. And I'd love to just pray for us today as we bring this series to a close. Would you stand up with me? Just going to stand and we're just going to finish by just, you know, we've spent uh, the last few weeks just really diving into this. Looking at the picture of who we're called to be in Christ. We're just going to pray today that this picture to be his masterpiece. We're just going to welcome his spirit to come and, and, and move in our own hearts and lives. Unite us with Christ. Bring us to life that we might do the good works he's prepared for us. Would you bow your heads? And if you want to be a part of that prayer, you can just open your hands as we just welcome the work of his spirit in our midst. Lord Jesus, today we are reminded that you are the head of your church. And we are your body. You've called us to be your hands and your feet. Lord, we're not who we were and we're not yet who we're meant to be. But Lord, here we are. And you are working out your good plans and purposes in us and through us. We are your workmanship, your craftsmanship. We are this one tiny piece of the masterpiece you are creating. And today, Lord, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would come and unite us to Christ in a, in a really, Lord, just deeper and deeper way. That, Lord, the life that is in Christ would flow into our lives. And that as each one of us is connected to you who is the head, as each one of us is brought to life in Christ, that we would together growing to maturity as your body, growing in our, our unity that flows from the one head who is Christ. I pray that when you look at us as your body here at True North, we would reflect, we would reflect the masterpiece that you desire to create, our one tiny drop of a drop in what you're doing around the world. And so, Lord, would you join us, each one. Join us to the life that is in Christ. Unite us with Christ, seated with him. All authority under your feet. And us united with you. May we live out that reality in increasing measure. 
And Lord, we pray that together as your body, you would grow us to maturity. May we be built up in love. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen.